0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Here we go again. Yes, here we go again. So our topic today is guilt and projection, projection and guilt. And let's get to the bottom of this, have a clearer understanding so we can eliminate the causes of suffering. Yes. (laughs) So let's begin with a blessing as we always do. Taking that breath of gratitude, we partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We are in league with the infinite. We are one with the one. And we are truly grateful to allow ourselves to fully know, to truly know the infinite love and the pure light that we already are. We are grateful to relinquish all attack thoughts, whether they're directed at someone else Or ourselves. We are grateful to allow ourselves to be lifted and shifted by means of this divine dialogue. We are surrendering any belief in lack and limitation. We are grateful to give up the ways that we've been limiting ourselves, playing small, and living it in a place of Confusion. We are grateful to open our hearts and minds to all that there is. In gratitude, we let it be. As we share the benefits with everyone, all are lifted. And we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 All right. Well, as we all know, we are taught as, as beings, <laughs> to as, as people following spiritual teachings, we're taught to do unto others as we would have done unto us, because what we do to others will be done to us. So even as a preemptive matter, we are taught to s- think about what we do to others, knowing that it's going to come back to us one way or another. So that often, though, is not a deterrent for anything, but sometimes it is. The more we wake up, the more we can see, yes, this is helpful to me. Let me not destroy my own happiness by thinking I'm separate from this other person. Now, in chapter 27, right? Towards the end of the text, getting towards the end. uh, Section 8, there is a chapter entitled The Hero of the Dream. And in that, paragraph 8, so it's chapter 27, section 8, paragraph 8, Jesus tells us, The world but demonstrates an ancient truth. You will believe that others do to you exactly what you think you did to them. You will believe that others do to you exactly what you think you did to them. But, he goes on, once deluded into blaming them, you will not see the cause of what they do because you want the guilt to rest on them. Okay, so let's let's just be really clear what he's saying here. So the world demonstrates an ancient truth. We believe that others do to us exactly what we think we did to them. So, for instance. Let's say that we have left someone out. Intentionally, we've left someone out because we don't really like them. We really don't want to have anything to do with them. So we've left them out. We will believe that others are doing that to us. So we experience it, and we believe that others are doing it to us. Now, when other, we believe, doesn't mean that they are. That's important. But if we believe that they are, then we're, the next step may well be to be deluded into blaming them, the others. For, let's say, in this example leaving us out, not inviting us, not including us. As soon as we start blaming them, we will not see the cause of what they do because we want them to be guilty. We want them to be bad and wrong. We want to be able to blame them. So we won't actually see or know or feel or comprehend what's actually going on. Jesus says, how childish is the petulant device to keep your innocence by pushing guilt outside yourself, but never letting go. So we're, we feel guilty for leaving somebody out, and then we're going to experience feeling left out, and we're going to blame the others For leaving us out. And that is the projection of our guilt onto the other. We feel justified in blaming them. Because they're so very wrong. But what we're actually doing is we're looking for a way to take the guilt that we feel. And to put it outside of ourselves. To get it off of us. It's like if you have a big stinking mess that you, in the middle of the night, go put on a neighbor's yard. And then somebody does the same thing to you. Could be totally unrelated. You will blame that other person who put that stinking mess in your yard. Even though you did it to somebody first. Because you, you want to be able to project that blame outward and feel not guilty. But the whole th- crazy thing is, is we're not guilty to begin with. And because we do believe that we're guilty, even though we're not, because we believe that we are guilty what we start doing is we start acting guilty. I sometimes like to watch detective shows, especially ones that are very clever and not, not uh, very gory, and I'm not that interested at all in DNA and things like that. I mean, what do they call that? C- CIS. I think those are the name of those police shows. Nothing wrong with them or anything like that. It's just not my thing. I'm more interested into the machinations of people's minds and how they work with their minds and that kind of uh, thing. Obviously, as a spiritual counselor for a couple of decades, counseling people, I'm very interested in how we decide to do what we do and how we justify it and things like that. Always interesting to me, usually. <laughs> That's a contradiction. Always, usually. <laughs> I like finding those kinds of crazy uh, <laughs> crazy things that we do with words. Uh, one of my favorites that I hear people say is probably, definitely. So it's, we're thinking while we're talking. So... Maybe definitely, probably definitely, we do say these kinds of things. All right, so we are spiritual detectives here. How childish is the petulant device to keep your innocence by pushing guilt outside yourself but never letting go? That's the thing is, when we push the guilt onto other people, we do not feel absolved, right? It's just we're distracting the mind. It's it's like uh, the magician who has a diversion. So that's what we're doing. We're saying, look over there. No, don't look here. Look over there. Don't look at my heart and what I'm harboring here. Look over there. Look what they did to me. I am the innocent one. They are the guilty one. But if we can just realize, and I know you're already ahead of me, we're already innocent. We're already innocent. But we don't believe we're innocent. We believe we're guilty. And therein lies the rub. So then he goes on to say, It is not easy to perceive the jest when all around you do your eyes behold its heavy consequences, but without their trifling cause. Without the cause, do its effects seem serious and sad indeed? Yet they but follow, and it is their cause that follows nothing and is but a jest. So the whole thing is this unconscious guilt, which is an illusion in the first place. We are not guilty but we have come to believe that we are guilty. Now, here's the next part. In gentle laughter does the Holy Spirit perceive the cause and looks not to effects. So we we look to the cause rather than the effects because we can do something about the cause and heal it at the root cause, as I like to say. The cause will tell us our motivation. The cause is in our stinking thinking. In gentle laughter does the Holy Spirit perceive the cause and looks not to effects. So the, the Holy Spirit is able to laugh about the cause, which is the unconscious guilt. And the Holy Spirit is not looking at the effects. How else could the Holy Spirit correct your error? Who have overlooked the cause entirely. So this is why in my programs we focus so much on healing things at the root cause rather than managing and coping with symptoms and the surface Because we can be so productive when we're working at the level of cause. But if we're managing and coping with the effects, we can be on a detour of distractions for the rest of our lives. And that is important for us to recognize here. So, the Holy Spirit bids you bring each terrible effect to Him that you may look together on the foolish cause and laugh with him a while. So this is like in the cause and effect section where Jesus says, don't ask me to take away the fear, ask me to take away the causes of fear. Because if you didn't feel the effects, which is the fear, then you would have no way to recognize that your thinking is inaccurate, it's faulty, it's false. But the distress that we feel lets us know that whatever we are thinking is stinking. And that's a wonderful blessing to us. It is, it is. Here's another way he says it. The Holy Spirit has judged their cause. You have judged the effects, right? So we're focused on the symptoms rather than the cause. Imagine that you know, you can feel, you've got something systemic going on, maybe in your digestive system. You know, Ayurvedic medicine, which I haven't studied, but I have. Done some dabbling in learning about Ayurvedic uh, medicine, and in Ayurvedic, the they look to the digestive system first. You are what you eat, and so they look to cure things a lot with food. And uh, your digestive system—many people do not know—includes your skin. Yeah, how wackadoo is that? But your skin is part of your digestive system. It's part of that whole system. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. You put things on your skin and boom, they're in your bloodstream instantly. Anyway, um, <laughs> talking about symptoms and cause, right? So let's say you have a symptom Um that you can feel that there's something really, really intense going on in your uh, intestines. And the the doctor doesn't want to deal with the cause, only wants to help medicate the symptoms. Would you wish to continue to go to that doctor? Would you find that she was a wise woman if she's not, helping you to look for the root cause. Oh, you've got a lot of pain. Well, let's just give you a painkiller. What? No, I don't think so. So this is the thing with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit will help us remember to laugh and then we have maybe more willingness to look at the cause. He says, Jesus says here, Remember uh, in paragraph 8, it is not easy to perceive the jest when all around you do your eyes behold its heavy consequences, but without their trifling cause. And then in the next paragraph where he says, you judge effects, but the Holy Spirit has judged their cause and judged with righteous judgment, in other words, with discernment and by the holy spirit's judgment are effects removed so when the holy spirit calls things correct then the symptoms will disappear because the cause is transformed perhaps you come in tears but hear the holy spirit say my brother Holy Son of God, behold your idle dream in which this could occur. And you will leave the holy instant with your laughter and your brothers joined with the Holy Spirits. So, doing this work does require us to do self-forgiveness. So, if the root cause... Is something that we've believed, something we have done and now judged. Self forgiveness is the cure. It is the cure. Now, the Holy Spirit cannot do our self forgiveness for us, we have to do it ourselves. There is just no other way around that. Because the Holy Spirit has no judgment of us to let go of. Only we have the judgment to let go of. And that's what self-forgiveness is, is releasing the judgment, releasing the interpretation that we've made of things, the meaning that we've made of things. That's what has to be healed in order for the symptoms to disappear. We have to heal it at the cause. Next, in uh, uh, we're in paragraph 10 now. The secret of salvation is but this. You are doing this unto yourself. So remember, do unto others what you would have done unto you. Because what you do to others will be done to you. And you're the one who's doing it, is now what he's saying. You are doing this unto yourself. No matter what the form of the attack This still is true. And let me just say, I am still working on this. I am still working on this. When we feel attacked, what's going on is we're looking to justify our attack. And so our attack can come in the form of a defense, right? If I defend myself, I am attacked. But the even more important to understand is if I defend myself, it is because I am secretly desiring to attack and I'm looking to justify it. I probably bring this up a few times a year in this podcast, because I'm still working with it. And it's everywhere in the world. I think this is one of the most intense patterns that we have. We interpret things that we're being attacked, but it really is the projection of our unconscious guilt onto others, looks like they're attacking us. I mean, it looks really like they're attacking us. And we could take it to a court of law, and everybody would say, Yes, it does look like they are attacking you. But if we can just know that it is our projection of guilt, and that our job is to forgive ourselves. We can just go back there Again and again and again And you know what? I'll be honest with you It can get tiring Really tiring Like, oh, back to that again Back to uh, my It's my self-attack Ugh Yeah Yeah It's a drag But We're getting her done We're clearing it out Yes, we are Of this I am sure. So no matter what the form of the attack, this still is true. Whoever takes the role of enemy and of attacker, still is this the truth. Whatever seems to be the cause of any pain and suffering you feel, this is still true. For you would not react at all to figures in a dream you knew that you were dreaming. Let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may. They could have no effect on you unless you failed to recognize it is your dream. This is so challenging, right? So challenging to the ego. But if we can begin at least with consciously understanding that no matter how vicious the attack is against us. Let them be as hateful and vicious as they may. They could have no effect on you unless you failed to recognize it is your dream. I'm thinking now of Gandhi, of Dr. King, of some of the leaders that We have really seen make a huge difference in this world. And they have been able to turn the other cheek. They have been able to look at it with a different perspective, right? Pain is a wrong perspective. And so, for me, the only way I know to work with this is to go to the Holy Spirit and say, I am willing to see this correctly. And I am asking you to heal this back to the root cause. Show me whatever I need to see so I can know what's going on here. I am dropping the blame. I'm dropping the resentment. I do not need to attack anyone no attack is ever justified i do not need to defend myself so it it gets tricky because we we do wish to explain things sometimes but we have to be so careful that we're not defending ourselves and so when we're not sure one of the things we can do that really does help is take a time out take a time out for god go to god Sit with God and say, you decide for me. I am choosing the highest and best in this situation. I don't know what that is. I know what I'd like, but I don't even know what's best for me. I don't even know what's going to make me happy. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Lord, and say highest and best for everyone because the highest and best for me has to be the highest and best for everyone Because I'm one with everyone. So their highest and best and my highest and best are not going to vary. Because there's only one here. Highest and best for everyone. I don't need revenge. And I am choosing freedom. This is what I am choosing. And I'm so grateful. I can choose again. And when we move into attack thoughts or mulling over our defense ah turn it over turn it over keep turning it over and over that is what I have learned to do and has helped me so much oh my gosh time for a break I'm Jennifer Hadley you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio we're living the love we're walking the talk and we'll be right back Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm so glad you came back. (laughs) So in the um, time just before the break, we were talking about the secret of salvation. Don't we wish to know the secret of salvation? Well, we do, except... Oh, this is a tough one, a tough one. We're doing it to ourselves. Yes. And no matter what the form of the attack, this is still true. Whoever takes the role of enemy and of attacker still is this the truth. Whatever seems to be the cause of any pain and suffering, you feel this is. Is still true. That's the secret of salvation. We project it out. Unto others. Because we don't want to take the fall. We're trying to offload. The guilt. The shame. The regret. The self judgment. So we project it out. Unto others. We're looking for somebody to blame. And oh my goodness. Has this been one of the most dominant thought patterns i've had my whole life i i laughingly tell the truth and say that when i was younger when i was a kid i have a younger brother and when i was a kid my parents would say "jennifer did you whatever i was getting in trouble" and i'd say "well Before we talk about that, can we just talk about what my brother did? Because look at what he did. I mean, that is offensive. (laughs) I always wanted to deflect everything off onto somebody else and blame somebody else. And I was definitely one of those people who would be saying things like, you made me feel this way. You made me think this. You made me, you made me, you made me. But that's just not how this life works. And now, knowing what I know, still working to let go of this insidious pattern to blame others when I myself have chosen it, uh, this insidious looking for someone else to be the enemy, to be the attacker all the time. That pattern is so intense. I'm so grateful to be aware of it. I'm so grateful because it saves me a lot of emotional suffering. So I still fall down the hole on a, on a, on a regular basis, uh, but not for very long. And I'm so grateful because I would fall down the hole for years before, years. Oh my gosh, I've spent years and years, probably the majority of my life in that hole of blame. Talk about playing small, my goodness. I'm an expert at playing small and blaming it on others. I'm an expert at playing small and feeling like there's nothing I can do because I'm a victim of this world. Yes. (laughs) I am so familiar with those patterns. Whatever seems to be the cause of any pain and suffering, you feel this is still true. You're doing it to yourself, Jesus is telling us here. For you would not react at all to figures in a dream you knew that you were dreaming. Let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may. They could have no effect on you unless you fail to recognize it is your dream. So we don't defend ourselves. And Jesus says here, let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may. You interpret that how you will for me I'm going to add this before we go any further on because this is a pattern I'm all too aware of or maybe I'm not too aware of maybe I'm not aware enough of but I am aware of it and the pattern is that In that feeling like, oh, they're doing it to me and I'm a victim. That I will, I've seen myself let them build up a full head of steam, whatever that might look like, and then call them out to shame them blame them, just like Jesus is talking about so that I can feel more innocent but knowing what I know now I'm even aware of a pattern where I can see that not saying anything not doing anything just accepting the maltreatment is Another way to encourage the other person to feel guilty and ashamed for me to think how bad and wrong they are. Look how innocent I am. I'm not even saying anything. I'm not even doing anything. Look how bad and wrong they are. And they're going to realize how innocent I am and they're going to feel so guilty and so ashamed. Right? That kind of martyrdom, that kind of crucifixion. But believing, oh, it's all going to be revealed, and then I will be vindicated, whatever. And I can see that knowing that the other person will feel ashamed and bad and wrong. I'm secretly delighting in that because I get to be righteously right right according to the ego and I'm anticipating that ego victory when it will all be revealed how wrong they were how innocent I was and I didn't even say anything because I'm such a deeply spiritual person that is a bunch of bull and what's more i realized that out of compassion it's important for me to interrupt the pattern as soon as i see it because i i i would like to interrupt the possibility that my brother my sister the other seeming other obviously would feel more guilty, more ashamed, more bad, more wrong. I don't want that. There is no benefit to me in that. But I used to think that there was. I thought it made me look more holy by comparison. And I don't know if people talk about that kind of a pattern where you just don't say anything. You don't do anything, and you feel righteously right and innocent. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, not everybody's got it, I'd say, but boy, I have worked with this pattern. So I've learned if I can help my brothers and sisters from going down that rabbit hole of shame, and self-judgment. Then I'm helping myself. I'm helping everyone. So Jesus says, let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may. They could have no effect on you unless you fail to recognize it is your dream. But I, I just have to say, I think we, we do our brothers and sisters a service if we can interrupt the pattern. And so it's, it, it, it's about following the holy spirit's guidance in that moment many 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 times people will ask me so jennifer what do i do in whatever kind of a situation and many times i'll say well there are going to be many choices but i can't say what's best for you in in your situation Bec- that that might arise in the future because the thing is we don't know what those energetics are going to be. We don't know what the mindsets are going to be, the intentions are going to be. This is why we we just rely upon the Holy Spirit to guide us. If we are pre-planning how we're going to strategize and handle these things, We're not living in the moment. We're up in our head. We're not in our heart. And I've spent so much of my life planning to defend myself because I was anticipating being attacked. And I do not wish to do that anymore. I do wish to serve the Spirit. There are so many patterns that we have in our mind that keep us playing small and living in lack, attack, limitation, and separation. And the way that I best know to get out of that is to rely upon the Holy Spirit and to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it is very challenging to recognize the vibration of the the guidance, the intuition, the inspiration that's coming from the Holy Spirit, when our mind is filled with mental trash, when our heart is filled with emotional clutter, when we're in mental and emotional agony, it's very challenging to be able to discern what is the guidance. Because when we're mentally agitated, when we're emotionally bereft or stressed or strained our focus is on pain relief and that's when we can fall into managing and coping strategies rather than rising above the battlefield so uh, what this reminds me of is yoga so I'm a kundalini yoga teacher and uh, I I don't teach a lot of Kundalini, but I do teach some. I recently did, last uh, August 2020, I put forth a 40 day challenge with a very sweet, very powerful Kundalini yoga meditation, very simple to do, called Kirtan Kriya. And um, you can find those details on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. It's totally free. You get 40 days of emails uh, about the practice. And you can join us. Uh, as of the time of this broadcast, we are there's a group of us meditating together every day. And it's just uh, 15 minutes, so it's really sweet. And you can join us. Uh, 40 Day Meditation Challenge. Again, totally free, available for you. at jenniferhadley.com oh and while i'm thinking of that let me also just mention the stop playing small retreat is coming up uh last two weekends of april and so if you recognize that you have mental and emotional patterns that are getting in your way and you're feeling frustrated because you're feeling the blocks to love you're you're aware of them and you feel like you're holding yourself back on many different levels then stop playing small retreat might be just the ticket for you it's a lot of fun and you will make some really sweet spiritual friends even though we're doing it online it's quite wonderful we did two of them last year and uh People loved the first one so much. Almost everybody came back and did the repeat when I did the second one. And they're coming back again for this third one. So um, people are just clearing and clearing and clearing. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, come and join us. All the details at jenniferhadley.com on the Stop Playing Small online retreat. So you can join us from anywhere in the world, on Zoom. It's remarkable how much healing is available to us. And when the healing occurs, we have the ability, and this is so wonderful, then we have the ability to take all that energy we were investing in the negative patterns, in the pain, in the blame, in the shame, into doing something that matters to us, that's helpful to ourselves and to others, that's a blessing to ourselves and our family, to our loved ones. I think one of the greatest things that I see in my life is that people do this inner healing and then they can really share it with their family. And... It takes a great willingness, it takes a great commitment to be that fulcrum point of healing in your family. But there are few things as fulfilling. And these are the people that we have come into this world to work with. And uh, I, I'm not saying, some people have really, really um, unloving family and We It it may not be best to hang out with them for sure, but we can hold them in our mind with love and compassion. And that's work. That's work. It's not for the timid. It's not for the faint of heart. It takes a tremendous effort. So let's truly be helpful. And we can be. So the secret of salvation is to realize we're doing it to ourselves. Now, in paragraph 11 here, the single lesson learned will set you free from suffering whatever form it takes. Oh, that's a hard one to believe. But if we can hold it in our mind, even though we don't believe it, I'm willing to believe it. Maybe I'm willing to be willing to be willing to believe it. The single lesson learned will set you free from suffering, whatever form it takes. So remember the previous paragraph he started with, The secret of salvation is but this. You're doing it to yourselves. So the single lesson will set you free from suffering. I'm doing it to myself. Okay, so let me forgive myself for doing it to myself. Let me forgive myself for projecting the blame outwards. And nobody has to be blamed because blame is a feeling of attack, is it not? And instead of blaming others, let's just be willing to see it correctly. I see something going on here. And remember, see something, say something. Say it to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. This is a great place for a healing. This is a great place for a healing. And I am willing to have that healing here and now. I'm willing to be that healing place in my family. So Jesus says the Holy Spirit will repeat this one inclusive lesson of deliverance until it has been learned, regardless of the form of suffering that brings you pain. Okay, now, are you listening? The Holy Spirit will repeat this one inclusive lesson of deliverance until it has been learned. All right, so the only way to stop this cycle of the dog eating its tail, right, where we are projecting our guilt out onto other people, we become their victims, We feel attacked, we feel wounded and hurt, and it's all to justify our attack thoughts so we can project them outward. That's the dog eating the tail there. And it will not end until it's been learned and we realize, don't need to do that. That's not helpful. It's going to keep repeating. Guaranteed here. So I'm not interested in experiencing it anymore. Done today. Today's the day. <laughs> Let's agree. We're done forever with this pattern. Oh my goodness. It's just, it's a huge, giant use of our energy and time. And it, it all, the only value that it has is to bring us closer to learning that it's not helpful. That's the only value that it has. Is that how we want to spend the rest of our lives? I don't think so. Ah, oh, we're setting ourselves free here. How wonderful. <laughs> so Jesus says, whatever hurt you bring to the Holy Spirit, he will make you well he will make answer with this very simple truth. for this one answer takes away the cause of every form of sorrow and of pain. The form affects his answer not at all, for he would teach you but the single cause of all of them, no matter what their form. And you will understand that miracles reflect the simple statement, I have done this thing, and it is this I would undo. I have done this thing, and it is this I would undo. So it's moving into that place of being willing to choose again. Got it? Now, think about this. So good. I'm going to take you back to the end of chapter 5, and it's the very end. The last thing there is this prayer, we've, we've gone over it before, where we say, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. So now the preface to that prayer is just above where Jesus says to us, Decision cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must have already decided not to be wholly joyous if that is how you feel. Therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly but can, as actively, decide otherwise. Be very firm with yourself in this and keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. All right, so... Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made. So this is what Jesus is saying in this other section, chapter 27, section 8. And now we're in paragraph 11. So this is where Jesus says, You will... Understand that miracles reflect the simple statement, I have done this thing and it is this I would undo. Going to that place, we may not know exactly where it was we made the decision, but it's in willingness, that's all that's required. He says, bring then all forms of suffering to the Holy Spirit who knows that everyone is like the rest. He sees no differences where none exist, and he will teach you how each one is caused. None has a different cause from all the rest, and all of them are easily undone, but a single lesson truly learned. Salvation is a secret you have kept, but from yourself. Whew. So, our willingness is all that's required, Our willingness to go back to the point of decision-making and say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to undo all of it. Show me the way. Show me the way. It works. It works. It works. There's a way out of hell. There is a way to salvation. I'm so grateful. Uh, before I wrap it up here, I'd just like you to know I am working on this, I'm calling it depression demolition course uh, to offer in May. Finding Freedom will come at the end of May. we postponed the parenting class till uh, the summer. And uh, I'm excited about the Stop Playing Small Retreat and the Prayer Power class uh, started yesterday. And uh, But you can still join us if you'd like to. Join that powerful class on prayer. Love it so much. Yes. Thank you to everyone who supports this podcast by your donations. We could not do it without you. If you value this podcast, please consider contributing. Make a donation at jenniferhadley.com. So grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines in our hearts and in our minds, in our life. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing with everyone. In gratitude, we say amen, amen, amen. I love you.